and welcome to Only the Avatar. An Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm Veda. And I'm Christina. And today we're talking about episode six in season one, Imprisoned. But before we jump into the episode, how are you doing? There's so much going on in the world. I just wanted to check in. Yeah, I mean, the world is crazy. Um, right now, we're, there's a lot of protests going on. This episode is super relevant because of what's going on right now. Completely. I was thinking that while watching. Yeah, and we see in the episode that some people have lost hope and others have encouraged others to bring hope to the world. And I feel like right now, um, some big changes have been announced with the protests of, you know, defunding the Minneapolis police. And we're from New York. So in New York, they're cutting police budgets. And that's giving us hope. It's also important to remember that, you know, it's good to have this hope, but we can't let it just stop there. We need to keep working towards more. And I think you really can see that there's a power in organizing and creating yeah. this movement together. Um, and there's a lot of talk in this episode, which we'll, we'll uh, when we when we get into the recap, we'll start discussing it. But I think how to be a good organizer, how to make sure that the people that you're working with are, um, their voices are being heard and the issues of the community that's being organized is always at the forefront. So I think there are some really great lessons in this episode and I'm excited to chat about it with you today. Yeah, I mean, this episode shows that if you think that all hope is lost, there isn't. We can see this in the Avatar world and in our real world. So yeah, um, yeah just some fun facts about the episode. Uh, Imprison debuted on March 25th, 2005. And this is actually the first episode in which all four elements are being bent outside of like, you know, the opening credits. Like, Oh my God, see- that's true. Yeah, yeah, because we have earthbenders, firebenders, guitar for waterbending, and obviously Aang for airbending, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and I I personally love the earthbending in this episode, so... So cool. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was great. So I guess we could just dive into the episode, right? Yeah, so we open up with the gang kind of just camping. They're in the middle of the woods, and Sokka's responsible for dinner. He comes back, he opens his bag, and he's like, there's nuts for dinner and (laughs) some rocks. And everyone's basically disappointed. And I'm like, I wonder what these guys are eating. Yeah, and it's especially true because, you know, uh, we know that, like, Sokka and Katara, like, eat meat, but, like, Aang doesn't eat meat. So, like, that's got to be hard, like, to have, like, those dietary restrictions, especially when they're kind of, like, camping. And also, like, I know nuts are protein, but that's not enough <laughs> when you're trying no. to save the world. And you're also, like, bending. Like, that's bending has to burn calories, you know what I mean? Seriously. <laughs> yeah, so... They're like trying to eat these nuts and uh, Momo takes one of the nuts slash maybe rocks and he's like banging it against uh, a larger rock to crack the nut. And there's a really large sound. Yeah. And I think it's just so cute that he, it, we all think that it's Momo making this huge, huge sounds. But we obviously know that it's not actually him making those sounds. And the gang is like, uh, where is that? We should go find it. And Sokka's like, shouldn't we run away? When things are making big booms, you know what I mean? He's always the cautious one in the group. (laughs) Also, I feel like Momo's kind of the star of this episode. No. Okay, come on. The real star (laughs) is Katara. Um, (laughs) But we learned to see that the big boom is actually an earthbender. I thought this part was so funny. So, like, they see this earthbender and they're like, oh, how do we approach him? Um, (laughs) 
they're like, should we be cautious? Should we like just go in? And then it cuts to Katara. I feel like Katara is just really on another one in this episode. Like she's so upfront naive. about everything and like maybe naive. Just I was like, her energy is so weird in this episode. She has she like a very na- naive energy, I think. Like you just don't go up to strangers or like, you do hi, I'm Katara. What's your name? Yeah, so she's acting like a kindergartner, but she's like 14. So weird. <laughs> Hello, I'm Katara. What's your name? <laughs> that's, that's literally what kindergartners say to each other. So I think that's really funny. <laughs> but we see the earthbender and he looks shocked when he sees other people and obviously disappears and he's blocking the canyon behind him. He looks like very sad and like cautious, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But the gang doesn't even recognize that. They're just like, oh, he's probably running to a village with better food. Let's go find him. <laughs> Maybe their thought process is so weird through through this whole thing because they're really hungry. <laughs> Honestly, I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> um, so they do end up following him and they enter the village. They walk into the village and, you know, Aang is noticing someone with a cool canonical hat and asks to trade it for a few nuts, which I thought was cool. It's interesting to see how they're interacting, like, merchant-wise, like, with money and food and things and like trade, that. Like, the, log- yeah. the logistics of, like, traveling the world and saving the world is very interesting sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Katara is so weird in this. Like, I thought this whole thing was just really odd because, yeah, like, she's probably hungry. She's like, I don't know. I'm just gonna talk to random people. <laughs> she sees the guy, the earthbending guy, walk into a house, and she's like, Oh, that's the guy from the canyon. And she <laughs> barges in to his house. But before she walks in, we find out that this earthbending boy is named Haru, and his mom is like, Where you've been? Get started on your chores. And like, Katara just bangs. It barges into his house. Like, what? never banged. She just literally opens the door and is like, hi, friend. Like, they're, you know. What? That's just the weird. Maybe they've been out of society for too long. I just thought it was so weird. I was screaming. I was like, what? Yeah. And I don't, I, if I was younger, I would have never noticed that. But now that I'm older, I'm like, you just don't barge into people's houses. <laughs> but obviously, Katara is like, you're the kid from before. Like, you're earthbending. And Peru is like, that wasn't me. Um, and obviously, Ang comes in and is like backs up Katar and is like no that was you we all saw you <laughs> and the mom is like freaking out because she's like what would happen if someone caught you earthbending and like as an audience member you're like okay that's weird mm-hmm. and then Haru is trying to cover his own back because his mom seems really stressed and really strict and she's like and Haru's like you believe these guys they're dressed in such weird outfits and you're you trust them <laughs> Yeah, and it was a funny scene when they look back, you know, it cuts to uh, the gang and they're all like awkwardly like looking at their clothes. They're like, (laughs) I think this looks nice, basically. (laughs) Um, It was a really funny scene, but then we hear a knock on the door and we know it's the Fire Nation. You know, the gang is scared because obviously they're running away from the Fire Nation. Haru and his mom don't know that, so they're trying to act cool. I felt like the pacing in this scene was really fast. Like, I i don't know. I just felt like the pacing in this whole thing was really wonky. I liked how it was fast paced. Did you, you did it? I don't know if it was the fast pace that bothered me, but it just throughout this whole episode, I just wasn't getting into a groove. I felt like it needed to be longer. Like, I think they needed like 10, like not 10, like five more minutes for it mm. to feel a little bit natural. Like it felt squished. Yeah, me. no, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, unfortunately, it's like a Nick show that's like 22 minutes. I know. So. Like, <laughs> they were really craving for that four minutes. There was, it's really squished. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the gang is like, let's act natural as the Fire Nation comes in. And they're just like frozen. It looks like they're in the mannequin challenge. Like, and they're all in awkward poses. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the Fire Nation soldier comes in and he, apparently he's there to collect a tax. And the mom mentions that she already paid the tax. And the Fire Nation soldier says that they raised the tax and they need to be paid. So she pays them and he's just like, he's really rude. He throws the copper currency on the floor and he threatens them if they don't pay it. He's threatening to burn down their establishment, which is very, very mafia-like. Definitely. They're like, they are thugs, honestly. They are thugs, yeah. And obviously, once the Fire Nation leaves, like, we're learning a little bit more about how long the Fire Nation has been here. Like, Katara's asking all these questions about that. Yeah. So this Earth Nation kingdom has been occupied by the Fire Nation for five years. Yeah, like the Earth Nation village. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, I get it. (laughs) Yes, you know what I mean. The Earth Nation village has been occupied by the Fire Nation for five years. Yeah, and they take away the resources from the village, which is coal, and they use it for, the Fire Nation uses it for their ships. Um, And Haru is like, you see him being angry, and he's like, they're thugs, and they're just stealing from villagers. And it's clear, like, Haru wants to do something about it. But, you know, his mom is saying, you can't do anything. You need to keep your head down and just, you need to survive, you know? This section, like, talking about the occupation is so much about um, colonialism and capitalism. And you can see that the Fire Nation is, like, taking these natural resources from the Earth Nation. And, you know, you can see that in, like, the technology that the Fire Nation has. Like, they're leagues ahead of the Earth Nation, but they're depleting the resources and completely like diminishing the spirit of the people. Yeah, and they're causing pollution wherever they go with this new technology. Like every time you do see a Fire Nation ship, they're burning all this coal and you see it going into the atmosphere. So uh, it really mirrors what happens in real life with Mm -hmm. colonialism, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, But during this talk, we learned that, you know, earthbending is forbidden. And if Haru gets caught earthbending like something bad could happen and Katara is very naive and is like well earthbending is a gift that's like taking a part of him away from him what bad could happen if he just fights back with earthbending and the mom's like well they could take him away like they took away her father so she is learning like oh this is obviously all more serious than I thought it would be mm-hmm. um, you can see Katara is visibly moved by it but, you know, even though the mom is a little mean or she's just cautious, as any mom would be. You also understand where she's coming from. Like, she's oh, her husband, like the village has been depleted and like she's stressed and she's trying to protect her son. So I understand like why she has that um, attitude. Yeah. Katara like hears this stuff and she's not like, oh, yeah, right. She's like, oh, this is true. This is me learning about what's going on in this world that I'm just not aware of. And mm-hmm. I, I um, appreciate that from her, I guess. Um, but the mom is a little meaner, but you know, she lets them stay the night in their barn, which I think, don't you ever think it's crazy? Like they're camping. They're just camping, eternally camping. (laughs) And Christina and I went on a four day camping trip together. We hiked Machu Picchu and we camped for four days and I was like three nights and I was like, oh, I cannot do more than three nights. So I have no clue how these kids do it. It's probably because they're young. Um, I mean, I'm sure in real life, you know, there are bathroom situations you have to figure out, which obviously are not explained on TV shows on Nickelodeon. (laughs) (laughs) But in the barn, we see that they're sleeping and like, uh, and thanks uh, Haru for letting them stay the night. And he's like, oh, don't worry. I will make sure Appa won't eat all your hay. And I love that little scene of like Appa's mouth full of hay. I just love Appa. He's so cute. (laughs) He is so cute. And like every scene of like 
just like cuteness helps because this episode overall is much more serious. Yes, definitely. There's like less jokes and it is um it does cover some serious themes. Yeah. Um so after, you know, we see just Katara and Haru taking a little walk. Katara's apologizing for inciting like rebellion, but she didn't know about his father at all. And, you know, Haru says that his dad's in prison because he stood up to the Fire Nation. And they were fighting back and they were outnumbered 10 to 1. But, you know, you see how proud Haru is of his father for taking the action to actually do something about the Fire Nation. And when you think about it in our terms, like his dad is a freedom fighter and he's a prisoner of war right now. So like part of I understand Haru too, like he's coming from a rebellion and a leader. And like, is it worth going up against the Fire Nation and maybe being imprisoned or is it better to like protect his mom and like try to have some sort of semblance of normalcy in an occupied nation? Yeah, it's a hard decision that he has to make. But, you know, he needs to protect his mother right now. They need each other. So that's why Haru like hides his earth bending. But it makes him really sad because it is his last connection to his dad. And then Katara mentions, you know, that she has this necklace that she wears and it was of her mother's and This is where we learn that, you know, she lost her mom to the Fire Nation and the necklace is really the last memory she has of her. It's a really beautiful moment between the two of them. There's a, you know, they can see the sunset. And I think also part of the reason that Katara is so moved, this is her story. And you can see that she's always trying to do the right thing. And she's always trying to empower people and help people find their um, movement. She is like yeah. always looking for a cause. I think there are certain um, literary or fictional characters that fall into this kind of archetype. Like even Lisa from The Simpsons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, she's yeah, like, trying to have, a, have a cause. Hermione is the same thing with like the house elf things. Like I feel like it's, I don't know, like that Aquarius energy or whatever, <laughs> like trying to, you, you have a cause and you're trying to fight for it. So you, you do yeah. understand a lot about Katara, but I think that lost parent is what really moves her for this earth nation uh situation yeah it's funny because i was tiktok my tiktok is primarily all about like the protests right now and avatar the last airbender and a lot of times they intersect because i saw one really funny tiktok that was like what each character would be like during the protests and like i think the one that they said for katara was like katara would definitely be on the front lines and she'd definitely be a medic helping people like during these times so true actually very very accurate (laughs) so this beautiful moment ends up being disrupted by another boom there's some sort of accident in the wait can we can we just talk about like they're definitely have a connection like they have a moment totally maybe that's why she like just popped out of there and was like hi what's your name (laughs) he's like trying to get it because obviously (laughs) not very interested in ang yet or whatever but like you know people say that like they should have ended up together in the end, Haru and Katara. Like Haru's hot. Yeah, he. I think he's the hottest of Katara's options in the series. Not gonna lie, that's no, my personal opinion. <laughs> no, my man Zuko. So. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. I, I'm Team Haru. I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, besides that, we see that there is a, a big boom, right? Um, yeah. And we realize that it's an accident in the mine. Um, One of the miners is stuck under an avalanche of rocks, but they can't pull him out, unfortunately. And Katara is like, Haru, Haru, Katara's always like telling all these men to use their powers. Like, (laughs) she's like, dude, use your bending. You got to save this miner. And Haru is a really good earthbender. 
Yeah, he's so good. And it's crazy because he can't really showcase it and he has no one to really practice with. So it is really cool that he's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they push open like the rocks with their bending and push it back. It's like it with the it's probably a lot of force in there, like a lot yeah. of core strength. I think earthbending might be my favorite type of bending, just even like throughout the episode, like the way that they move to move, the way they move their body mm-hmm. to actually move the earth and the ground is so cool. I was like, oh, like I love mm-hmm. it so much. <laughs> um, they saved the old miner and they like walk him back to his place. He's like this old dude and Haru and Katara have that moment. Um, and mm-hmm. that night in the barn, Katara is like telling the boys what happened and Aang is like, wow, you really must have inspired Haru to use his bending. Yeah. And she's like, really, excited. I wonder if he's like, was inspired to use his bending because he felt a romantic connection. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm all about Haru and Katara. I'm trying to think of their name together. Is there? Rutara? Maybe. Is that what it is? We have to look it up. I don't know if there's like yeah. a fandom a ship for them. I don't think there's a big enough fandom for it. I think it's just like me and like three other people. You should make <laughs> this your thing. <laughs> I should make like a fan account of just them two together. <laughs> but you know, after they're talking about what happened, Sokka's like, okay, guys, we need to leave early because this place is filled with Fire Nation soldiers. Which is actually <laughs> a smart take. He's the best planner out of the entire group. And we'll see that later on in the episode. But he might not be a bender, but he is the one with the best strategy plans. Yeah, I agree. And he's like, if we don't leave, you're going to be having fireballs for breakfast. And Katara is like, better than nuts. And I'm talking about <laughs> that because there's like very few jokes in this episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I was like, I take nuts and fireballs. Let's be real. Because then you'll die. <laughs> um. But, you know, they fall asleep and we suddenly hear like marching and we see that the old man like snitched on Haru and they capture him. I can't believe it. I wonder if he's like paid by the Fire Nation to snitch. Like, I wonder why he he was a traitor. Like, ew, that's the I think being that kind of snitch is like the worst thing you can be. I think that actually just shows how brainwashed the villagers are and how little hope they have. Like they feel like they've lost the war and like not saying anything is like breaking the laws and it's so ingrained in them. And that's Mm -hmm. just, I think that's what they wanted to showcase just how brainwashed the villagers are. The people who are like on the side of the oppressor, even though that they're oppressed, he needs to be radicalized. Like get him some, help him read something. Like someone talk to that guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> read a book <laughs> um and so it's the next day and Katara is like filling up water in a jug in the morning and it's actually really beautiful the music's very beautiful it has like a very brightness and like a haziness kind of in the air mm-hmm. like doesn't kind of remind you uh that's who who directed spirited away like that style uh, that miyazaki doesn't it have a miyazaki vibe yeah it kind of does yeah. yeah you're right i think it's the colors and it's just like brighter. Like that scene was really bright. So um, it's, it is see, very memorable. Um, yeah, Katara is filling water in a jug, and then she sees Haru's mom, and she turns around and she's crying. And that's when Katara realizes what happened, and she drops a water pot. And it's just a really powerful scene because you know exactly what happened with no words at all. 
Yeah. There's a lot of different like tonal switches in this episode. Like they tried a a few different ways of like animation style or storytelling style. So like it is a memorable scene, but it's, it was beautiful. It's artistic. And you can see the mom's pain about losing her son. And you see that Katara, like whether it's she lost someone that she has a connection with. And she also realizes that how real this occupation and this war is. Yeah, yeah. And and so she like goes back and she tells the boys that Haru has been captured at night and she feels just really guilty about it because she was like, if I didn't tell him to do what he did, he'd still be here today. Yeah, um, she feels and, guilty. Yeah. And Sokka's like, you know, he's long gone at this point. Like, we don't know if we can find him, you know, but Katara is determined, you know, she has that determination that she will find him. And she's and like, she has, I'm, a plan. she has a plan. She's gonna earthbend to get arrested and find Haru. And Sokka and Aang are so confused. They're like, earthbending? And <laughs> this is the plan. So there's a few ventilation shoots uh, around the village from the mines. So um, Sokka comes up with this plan where Aang will use his airbending to move a boulder that's above one of these vents. And it'll seem like Katara is actually moving the boulder, even though it's the airbending from Aang. Yeah. And you know what? It's crazy. What would Aang be doing without Sokka and Katara? Because, like, Sokka's, like, going through this plan, like, this is what's going to happen. And Aang is, like, looking at a butterfly and is like, mm, yeah, I got it. I got it. He clearly doesn't because he Where is his head you. in this episode? Like, what yeah. is up with him? He's. I think it's because none of them ate food. I don't know. <laughs> he's just, like, so out of it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. He's, like, fake earthbending, which I thought this was really, really, like, a cool plan. Yeah, and you know... We know that Sokka is an earthbender, but this is his idea and him planning this idea just shows he has great strategy skills and mm-hmm. that becomes super important throughout the entire series. Um, and so we see Sokka and Katara staging this argument in front of Spire Nation soldiers. And they're acting like in quotes. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see that, you know, Aang misses his cue of like, I'll show you earthbending. But you see like Katara do like, I'll show you earthbending. And she's jumping like earthbending style. She jumps up and it's very like Naruto-ish, don't you think? Yeah, uh, again, like this weird tone switch. I really yeah. like their fight. Like they were they were yeah. just like calling out um Sokka's ear. But since Aang misses his cue and she keeps redoing it until Aang can shoot yeah. the air into the vents. So when he finally does it, it looks like Momo is, is the earthbender. Oh, the lemur can earthbend. Sokka's like, no, you idiot. It's a girl. (laughs) The guards are so weird, too. Like, they seem like they just... Who just, like, pauses and watches the whole fight play out? Some dumb guards. Um, I just... I also want to mention that, like, that whole, like, earthbending style when she goes up. That's actually called... And it, like, looked Naruto style. Mm -hmm. It's a type of animation technique called speed lines. And it's used to indicate fast motion. Oh, cool. I was like, oh, that's very Naruto-like. And I didn't realize that was a type of animation technique. I didn't know it had a real name. So it's called Speedlines, which is cool. But obviously, we see that Katara actually gets captured finally. The plan worked somehow. Um, and she's about to hopefully find Haru. But I just think it's so brave of Katara to, like, put herself out there and get captured by the soldiers. Because, like, we don't know at the end of the day if she'll be able to get out, but... Yeah, it's like, what a risk that she's taking to, you know, make sure that these people are, yeah. like, Haru is back. And I don't know. I thought it was really brave, too. And I was just also thought it was weird that Sokka and Aang are like, okay, I mean, I guess they know that they'll be able to get her back. But, like, this is kind of scary. Like, they haven't been separated as a trio yet. 
you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, okay. Anyway, we see Katara head into um, the Fire Nation ship. So it's like a rig and a ship. And this is where the prisoners of war are kept. Um, And you can see that it's like super, it looks so much more advanced than like the agricultural tribes of you know the water tribe or like the earth kingdom Mm -hmm. so you really it really like brings home again the technology yeah but also showcases the destruction you see like the pollution that's going into the air and yeah but i guess it is true that ang does seem say that he's a little worried when he sees the ship and like sees how like crazy it is um but Sokka's like she'll be fine so then we cut into um the warden welcoming i guess the new prisoners I don't know what a welcome is for a prison ship, but sure. (laughs) Yeah, he's scary. Okay, so fun fact, the warden is actually voiced by George Takai, who played Mr. Sulu on Star Trek. And it's really interesting, especially because the ship is basically an internment camp for prisoners, right? Mm -hmm. And George Takai's family was sent to an internment camp during World War II just for being Japanese. And, you know, on the show, we're seeing that they're in an internment camp, basically, just for being earth vendors. So it's a really sad parallel, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But obviously, the warden's super mean to the prisoners. And one guy literally just coughed. And he goes, okay, isolation for you. Like, that'll teach you a lesson. He's on a power trip again. Like, some of these Fire Nation soldiers, like, they have lost all empathy and humanity. Like, to be running this um, internment camp and, like, taking pleasure and being cruel shows that there's something wrong. You know, the the warden is walking them through the ship and he's saying the ship is like entirely made of metal so the earthbenders can't bend and you see people actually working on the ship and things like that and he actually says like this brutish savagery that you call bending i've never realized that anytime i watch this episode but calling them base he's calling the earth nation kingdom basically savages brutish savagery and the fact that they think other nations bending is savagery just mimics our own world's colonialism because we like in the real world, like Western colonials would say, oh, they're savages, so we can just take their land and use their resources. We're going to erase their entire culture. And like, yeah, so there's a lot of like just general ideas of colonialism in this episode, which I think is just makes it really powerful watching it as a child or as an adult, like seeing these kind of images and understanding these stories as a child, even if you don't make that connection that this is colonialism, I think it gives you the tools to like see the world and process it within the stories that you're seeing on TV. Yeah, so this should be required for every child to watch. I agree. Um, but so Katara is on the prison ring and she actually finds Haru on the ship, fortunately. Um, I thought it was interesting because you see everyone in like drab garb, obviously prison wear. They're wearing prison clothes. But Katara still has like her water bending outfit underneath. You see the blue pops, which I thought was interesting. I guess it's like cartoon rules where you have to wear the same thing all the time. That is true. <laughs> but Haru like sees Katara and she he's shocked that she got herself arrested for him, you know. He says, you got guts, Katara. I'll give you that. That's so, so. cute. And he no. introduces her to his dad, Tyro. And we see the dad. He's eating some sort of like disgusting grub, like disgusting mm-hmm. prison food. And we also learn that Tyro is the spokesperson for all of the prisoners. Like, So he takes all of their concerns, their problems, um, and he goes to the guards and wardens and like argues on behalf of the prisoner. So he still does have a leadership role in the internment camp. 
Yeah, and it, I was listening to that voice of Tyro, mm-hmm. and I was like, this guy definitely sounds familiar. So obviously I went on imdb.com. <laughs> Tyro was voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, and I was like, okay, he's a voice actor, and he was the voice of Captain Gontu in Lilo and Stitch. So the very big guy, I was like, oh, that's how I know that voice. Oh, cool. <laughs> but, you know, Katara is just talking to them, and she's like, so what's the plan to get off the rig? And Tyro's like super confused. He's like, uh, the plan is to survive. <laughs> Not to get off the ship. Even though he's a leader, all hope is gone for him. Like, he does not expect to get out of this situation until the war is over. And I'm sure that that happened in internment camps in in World War II, whether it was, you know, in the Holocaust or in the Japanese internment camps. Like, after a point, like, you're so stripped down of anything. Like, survival is the only thing that matters. And I also thought it was interesting that he said, like, we're going to wait out the war and try to survive and forget this ever happened. Yeah. And but the thing is, if you forget what's ever happened, then it's just meant to repeat itself over again, unfortunately. And it's interesting that they're like, oh, we'll just wait out the war. The war's been going on for 100 years, too. And, like, they're, what, in their 40s? Like, they've never known a life other than the war. Yeah, that's true. It's it's really sad. Uh, but, you know, Tyro is like, I admire your courage, but these are lives, you know what I mean? And the warden is ruthless. And you can see, we've already seen he's crazy yeah. and ruthless. So he just wants to protect his people. Um, but Katara still has that naive hope and she's like I'm gonna get us out and she says this really beautiful speech don't you think it was really powerful and she's just like really trying to give the earthbenders back their strength she's like yeah it's really moving there's a lot of powerful imagery she's like you all have your strength you have strength within you even even though there's no rock on the ship even though you like even until you your bones wither away you still have strength and we should all get together and fight for our freedom it is really moving yeah and like in the beginning i she talks about like i was rocked to sleep of stories of the powerful earthbenders Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that solidarity from tribe to tribe is really beautiful just showcasing like we are one we are together we need to fight this but we see that there's no reaction from the prisoners at all after her i know just and she's like shocked too because she's speaking from her heart and she really thought she would Mm -hmm. at least get some sort of like uh yeah or a fist in the air or something from them and there's nothing yeah it's just they've really lost hope and it's crazy how brutality like that can really wither away a person's spirit unfortunately um and don't you think there's just some multi-generational grief there like of course you know, uh, like, so I wonder how many people lost their parents down. or saw their parents, uh, like, try to rebel earlier in the war, and then they tried to rebel, and now that they're, like, broken down or just, like, completely losing their spirit or humanity or any sense of power and self in the prison. Yeah, just really, really sad. But I did think it was interesting that the warden was like, we don't even need to confine her. Like, he has so much control over these people that a little speech like that well, doesn't even scare him at all and you can understand why like it didn't cause any reaction so he's probably like okay you know i have my thumb on these people yeah um but later that night we see that Sokka and Aang had been following Katara on Appa and they're flying by the side of the boat and they come to Katara and they're like, okay, you've been here for 12 hours. Like, let's go get Haru. Let's go. Yeah. And Katara is like, I'm not leaving the ship or giving up on these earthbenders. She's such a strong ally fighting for her earthbending brothers. Completely. She's such a good ally. I know. We we could all learn from her. Um, But 
Aang agree. Obviously, Aang and Sokka agree, but I like how Sokka is like, I hate when you get like this. <laughs> I would totally be like that, too, because you like you want to do the right thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah. But then we actually see a scene where the guard and a captain see Appa and like he's they see that Appa's flying and they're like, oh, what's that? And they go up to the warden and they're like, we saw a something in the air, yeah, right? Like, it's a buffalo um, or we saw a buffalo in the air. And then the captain or the other like. The second one is like, oh, wasn't it? A, we saw a bison in the air. And the warden is like, which one is it? I don't believe you. Like, guys, get your story straight. Like, he doesn't even trust his like his own people he, he's commanding. Even in that scene, they're like, we don't know if it's a buffalo or a bison, but like, what does it matter? It's something weird in the air. And like, the warden's like, well, find out. It makes a difference. Like, it clearly doesn't. And I have a note. <laughs> Though the terms are often used interchangeably, buffalo and bison are distinct animals. Old world, oh. true buffalo are native to Africa and Asia, and bison are found in North America and Europe. Oh, that's interesting. So I don't know which one it would be, right? I guess the, this world is influenced more by Asian culture, so maybe it would be a buffalo. <laughs> is Appa a buffalo? Ooh, weird. So, weird. <laughs> so anyway, the warden is like, search the ship, and he throws the captain overboard in anger. Like, he's actually crazy. He has power hungry. He doesn't even care about the Fire Nation people. He doesn't care about anyone except himself and his own power. And that's like, like most people in power, all they do is get consumed by power. Even if they had good intentions, a lot of times that power forces them to do crazy things. And we, we definitely see that in our current <laughs> world. Not to get too political, like it's a political show, just seeing, I see a lot of similarities <laughs> with a certain group of people yeah. that I will not, not name. names, <laughs> but some people just care about their own selves and not any ideology or anything else. Yep. <laughs> the warden was like, find the captain. And the guy's like, uh, you threw him overboard. He goes, well, find someone else. <laughs> so the gang is trying to hatch a plan now. And... Katara says something that I really thought was very smart when you're trying to organizing. Like, she's like, I wish there was a way for them to help themselves. Because, like, she yeah. can only do so much. Like, even though she's an ally, like, the Earthbenders have to come together and present their strength. Like, she can't do it for them, right? But what she can do is yeah. help them become stronger so, like, they can fight their own battle. Like, she can't fight it for them, you know? And I thought that was a really interesting yeah. idea in terms of like organizing in general. And Aang looks up and he's like, you know, maybe there we could use a create a hurricane to get them out of the way. And then Sokka like brainstorms a little bit and he's like, I wish, you know, they're earthbenders. I wish there was some sort of rock we could give them to remind them of their power. And Katara's like, this entire rig is made of metal. And then but Aang sees the steam. He like looks up and sees the steam and he sees like that the ship is using coal and the coal is earth. So that helps them, you know, create that new plan. Um, but like Aang is so bad at these plans. Thank God he has Sokka and Katara because like, I wish we could create a hurricane. Like that's not that's not enough, is it? <laughs> you know, like Sokka comes up with this good plan, which is similar to what they did at the village. And that's where they close up all the vents within the actual ship and they leave one open. So the coal will all go up to the deck of the ship where the earthbenders can get to it. Um, but before that could happen, the guards see Sokka and they're like, there's an intruder. And Tyro is there and as well as all the Earth Kingdom people. And then he's like, Katara, back down. You're not going to win this fight. Yeah. And the warden literally says, you're one mistake away from dying where you stand. So, you know, he's willing to 
kill for control. And he probably has. And that's probably how he has all this power over these people. But then we see that the coal shoots up from that vent. And Katara, you know, she makes another speech. And she's like, this is your chance. Your fate is in your own hands. And there's no reaction again. No reaction. And the warden talks her and is like, they're broken. Um, your little words won't do anything to motivate them. They're hopeless and they're a waste of your energy. And he calls her like a little girl. And so condescending. And I feel like, I don't know, I think that would spark me more to hit this guy. And that's what we do see. The warden walks away and he gets hit in the head with coal. And we see that Haru is earthbending. And like the youth is the heart of this movement, right? Like we see Katara giving them the motivation and Haru is the one who's acting. It's not any of the adults or the fighters in there. It's like... Haru comes up and he does have a place. He's like one of the people who's like bringing the fire back into the movement by hitting the warden with some with some coal. Yeah. And, you know, in other revolutions, it's usually the younger people that are willing to go out and fight for something. Uh, and we're seeing that currently now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like did you hear about in Tennessee, it was three high school teenage girls that created the protests in Nashville for the Black Lives oh Matter God. movement and 10,000 people came out that that was by the youth yeah look at that like look at the power in here like and it just it's crazy that we're watching this episode right now you know like you couldn't not think about what's happening today while watching this episode yeah for sure but the dad steps up too you know like yeah bends and um his dad comes out and starts bending too and this is really moving the father and son are bending together for their people for the earth kingdom and they send a wave of coal right to the fire nation soldiers yeah and i love that he says for the earth kingdom you know like it's so powerful because you know he's fighting for his people um and he's not broken anymore he's willing to do something to cause a change and i do love that although they haven't seen each other in years uh, Haru and his father they're able to work together so easily to mm-hmm. earthbend so I and love soon that. everyone is motivated to fight even Momo is like stealing a uh, Fire Nation arrows from the air yeah he's throwing hands <laughs> throwing hands so uh yeah Haru and his dad work together and they bring all the coal together and create this huge ball and push it the pressure from the ball creates a hole in the metal rig and their plan is to get all of the like women and children, prisoner of war, all the Earth Kingdom people out of the rig. So they're like, okay, run, run. So all of those people are coming out. Yeah. And then we know those fire soldiers are like starting attack, but Aang is able to use like his earth bending to create a small tunnel to shoot the rocks at them. Everyone's sending him rocks to shoot it at them. And that seems to work. And you see that the warden and the fire nation soldiers are on the ground. And then you see like some of the coal start to shake and it moves together to lift the soldiers up in the air and dangle them in front of the ocean, which I just love. Yeah, the earthbenders like make this bed of coal and suddenly um, the fire nation is up in the air. Yeah, and at the way that they're moving their bodies, it looks like a little it kind of reminds me of tai chi in a sense or mm-hmm. a dance the way they're moving in unison together to create that bed of rocks to push them over to the ocean and the ward is like i can't swim and tyro's like don't worry cowards float and drops them in the sea yeah <laughs> and what- it's like yes they're gone they're freed like the people are safe they're off of their internment camp yeah and it, it's kind of funny though like what warden on a ship doesn't know how to swim <laughs> <laughs> maybe fire nation people are afraid of swimming <laughs> maybe <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, they're they're off the ship, and Haru thanks Katara for saving them, and Tyro thanks Katara for helping them and find their courage. And it's so funny. I was watching this episode with my boyfriend, and you see Tyro like putting his shoulder on both, you know, Katara and on Haru, and my boyfriend's just like he's super tired. He's a little, you know, hungover, and he's like. Shouldn't they be social distancing? And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's not our world completely. At least they don't have a pandemic. <laughs> I know. And it was like, in not our world. It was like 15 years ago. You know, it's the pandemic has really influenced the way we think about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, even though they're they're in an uprising right now, they're still not in a pandemic. <laughs> so Tyra's like, okay, we're going to go back to the village. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're kind of talking about like what is our destiny what are we meant to be doing and you know haru is like come with us and she's like you have a different mission to save your village and your town but our mission is to you know help the avatar become who he needs to be to fight the fire nation and i kind of love that and i loved how haru sees the avatar and he's like that's him isn't it that's the avatar like with such awe yeah you see and is just so unaware of his power he's just like playing with the air around him and stuff like that I thought it was interesting that Aang really didn't have a large role in this episode. But, you know, Katara was a true hero of this episode. And, like, the Avatar extras that they had, um, they literally said Katara is a true hero of this episode. And she really was. It's like, and it just shows that how much power is there in organizing. Like, I feel like this is such a great episode because of the message that it gives. Um, But Katara was like... You know, she's thanking them and she's like, I wish there was something that you could do to help us. But, you know, this is your mission. And while she's talking, she touches her neck and she notices that her necklace is gone. Yeah. And then we see a cut to a scene on the ship again. And Zuko is there and he's holding the necklace and he's looking out at sea. So, you know, Zuko is on the trail. We haven't seen him really in the last two episodes, but he's coming back in episode seven. So episode rating. I'm giving it a 4.5 just because it's so relevant to what's going on right now. Like the idea of rising up to overthrow something bigger than you is so powerful, especially what's going on with the world today. Um, And then being able to take on, you know, like take on the man and take on the firebenders. It gives me hope that in the real world, we can do the same thing. I agree with you that how moving the episode was and how relevant it is today. And I think anyone watching it in the context of today will like get a lot of lessons around organizing, how to be a good ally. A lot of important lessons come from this episode, but just from a purely episode way, I thought it was really smushed. As I said in the beginning, like the pacing, it felt like it didn't get into a groove for me, even though I thought the earthbending fight on the internment camp was awesome. And like, I really liked some of the risks that they took with the animation and the storytelling in this episode, but I'm giving it a four. Okay, nice. I mean, four and a 4.5 are pretty good. (laughs) I agree. Big news, everyone. We're finally on iTunes. So please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. And leave us a review because if you leave us a review, more people can find us on iTunes. So anyway, um, can't wait for next week. Same. See you later. See you later. Have a good night, Christina. Too. Bye. Bye.